Welcome to Behind the Business Podcast. Each week, I'll be sharing episodes that take you behind the scenes of industry-leading creative small businesses. We'll talk about real life, messy behind the scenes of running a successful creative business in today's world, and hopefully help you combat the perception of perfection within our industry. I hope each episode encourages you to keep showing up imperfectly within your own business and make your own unique impact on this world. Grab a cup of coffee or wine, and let's get right to it. Cheers. I have Kat on today. I'm so excited for our conversation. I have had the pleasure of knowing Kat for a couple of years now and just going to Creative at Heart conference that she leads has made such an impact on my business over the years. It's a conference that I call my home and know that I'll go back to every single year. So I'm super, super excited to have her on the podcast today. We're going to talk a little bit about quarterly planning, which is a concept that I learned about from her. And I'm just so excited for all of the wisdom and knowledge that you're bringing to the podcast audience. Kat, can you introduce yourself? Manali, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and to just hang out a little bit and talk about quarterly planning because I love quarterly planning. (laughs) So that's such a fun thing to talk about. For those of you guys that might not know about me or about the brand, my husband, Matt, and I run the business together. It's been like such a dream for us for the last few years to get to work from home. We have two kids and one on the way. So it's just crazy town over here with our little co-workers too. But we honestly wouldn't trade it for anything. We feel super blessed to be able to get to do what we love and also do it like from the comfort of our home with our kids. I love that. I wanted to dive right in and ask you to talk a little bit about quarterly planning. If there's somebody listening in that doesn't know what quarterly planning is, can you share a little bit about what it is and what that looks like for them? Yes, I would love to. Okay, quarterly planning. First of all, I am type A, which maybe I should have started with in my like intro to let everyone know. I guess if you love quarterly planning, you might it might be like pretty self-explanatory that you're type A. I'm type A. I love calendars and color coding. Like trips to Staples are genuinely fun for me. Like I'm like, oh my goodness, yes, let's just walk around and look at all the fun like office supplies and like organizational tools. So for me, when I think about quarterly planning, it's organizing your business in a way that allows you to see can a goal actually happen in like a given time frame so something that i think a lot of us do in our business is we're really good at vision casting so maybe you're really good at saying oh this is where i want to take the business i want to launch a course or i want to book 20 weddings or whatever it is that you want to do but it can be hard to like take that goal and say how can i make this in actionable steps so i know yes, I can make it happen or no, okay, actually this might not be the most realistic goal for me right now. And quarterly planning is how you can actually make it happen. And what I love about quarterly planning is there are four quarters in the year for those of us that are like bad at math, like myself, let's just put that out there. Four quarters in the year, that means 90 day increments. So you have four different times throughout the year to look at your goals. So whether you're in the first quarter, the second quarter, third, or the fourth, you're getting to like slowly work through those goals versus something like annual planning. You're trying to plan out a whole 12 month period and who knows what's going to happen over that period. Whereas with quarterly planning, it's three months, Which while yes, there can still be like hiccups and like crazy things can happen in a three month period, you have a better grasp on what's going on over the next three months than you do over say the next 12 months. And so quarterly planning allows you to really break that goal down into that 90 day or three month increment um, to set um, goals and steps to make it happen. 
Katja, that makes a lot of sense. And I love that it almost gives you a little bit more freedom and flexibility throughout the year too, to just like reevaluate and be like, okay, how did the last three months go? How are the absolutely three months looking? Like maybe you just booked a ton of work for the upcoming quarter during that first quarter. So it's just almost not a fresh start, but just gives you a point to step back and evaluate and then plan for the upcoming three months. And I feel like for me, that's about the amount of time that like I can really focus in on a project. And then beyond that, I'm just like, okay, like either what's next or do I need to like (laughs) reevaluate again? So I feel like it's the perfect chunk of time to like really be focused and make tangible progress like towards those really big goals that sometimes feel a little daunting when you can break them up into those like quarterly chunks. It makes it feel a lot more doable. And yeah, and you're right, Manali. I feel especially for I feel like the your audience listening, like our businesses are um so seasonal. So it just depends on okay, is this the heavier season of shooting weddings or is this a heavier client season? And so by doing it based on quarters, it allows you to tweak your goals. And sometimes I'm going into a quarter and I don't have a growth goal. Like my goal is I want to like do everything that's on my plate really well. Like I just want to make sure that like my current clients are happy. And those are, you know, the things that I'm doing, or maybe you're serving your wedding clients really well, like your turnaround time as well. You don't have to have a growth goal for every quarter, depending on what's happening in that quarter. And so quarterly planning just helps you be really realistic with that time on your plate. Yeah. I love that. It's always like a time check-in for me to Mm -hmm. look at the calendar and be like, okay, how much time do I have going towards like different things? Do I have a lot of weddings coming up? That means that I'm not going to have as much time every single week to focus yeah. on that like big new thing that maybe I really want to accomplish this year. And I can feel a little bit more realistic with the goals that I have and break them up. So I love that. I wanted to hear a little bit about how you put that to work within either the Creative at Heart Conference brand or even just like the Catch More Your brand as a whole too. Yeah. So I feel like it's been a, lo- a little bit more at work with the Catch Moyer brands, like my personal brand, just with the various offers and things that are going on in that brand. I offer coaching. I offer a mastermind. I also have an integration agency. So just a lot of moving pieces. I'm very heavy on the service side of things. And I love working with my clients. I love that like one-on-one work. I also have a shop with some passive products too. So I feel like in that brand, I'm like juggling a lot just within that brand. Okay. What am I talking about? What am I doing? What's going on? And so quarterly planning, again, has really helped me to be able to streamline, like, okay, what's the focus? Like what is going to have a heavier emphasis for Q1 versus Q2? Is it, am I launching new spots for my mastermind or am I hosting a shop sale or am I, you know, trying to book a certain number of clients for the agency? It just allows me to look at the various offers in my business and figure out like what I want to happen. And when you're quarterly planning, it's really important to start with two things, time and money. So always like looking at like the physical time that you have. So again, if you're like, okay, March, April, and May, like what's physically happening in your life and your family's life and your business life, like in those three months. So looking at time, but then looking at money in terms of what's the revenue in your business look like. I feel as business owners, Again, because we have big ideas and like a visionary. So you're like, oh, I want to go do this. Sometimes we like forget about the money part. We're like, oh, I'm going to like go do this. And we forget, okay, wait a second. We still need to make sure that like you're a profitable business and that like current clients are going well or that the 
goals that you're setting can be the most profitable for your business. And it's not just like something that sounds fun. I feel like we need to combine the, this sounds fun with also the, this is strategic for my business. And again, that's where quarterly planning, I'm also looking at revenue. So I'm going to look at, okay, what are my business is the sole income provider for our family. So it's like incredibly important for me to make sure, hey, we need to pay the bills. Like we need to put food on the table. I have other employees too. There's a lot in there. So I'm assessing revenue in that quarter too and figuring out what's projected and what's planning to come in. And then I'm able to set a goal on top of that because I can see, okay, here's my time commitments. Here's where revenue is. Now this goal feels like a really good fit because of that foundation that I've laid with time and money. That makes a lot of sense. And it's like a very strategic and like looking at all of the different kind of like components of not just like your business, but also like your personal time and mm-hmm. how like your business is going to help provide for your personal life as well. And taking that all into account before being like, okay, this one project sounds really fun. I'm just going to tackle it in like the upcoming month. It's like a very strategic and almost like step-by-step process to be like, what's the best fit for this upcoming quarter based off of the, all of these different things. So I love yeah. that. And you talking about the different parts of the Catch Moya brand, I wanted to ask if you have any advice for a creative that's maybe listening into this that is multi-passionate as well or has multiple offers in their business. Do you have one piece of advice that maybe you were given or something that you've just learned over time of owning that multi-passionate brand of yours? Do you have anything that you would love to share with them? I love this question. So first of all, I... I love being multi-passionate. It's, I think my favorite thing about running my own business is that I do, again, I want to be strategic and I want to look at like the revenue, but I also, I'm in charge. So if something like, if I'm like, no, I really want to pivot in this new direction and I really want to try this new thing. And so I think there's so much fun in that. Okay. Yeah. Let's do this fun new thing. Just give it a shot. I did that when I launched the calendars. I was like, I have no idea if people will like want a calendar, but I really want one. So let's just do it. And it's been so much fun to have the calendars in the shop. So if you're listening and you're multi-passionate, I am like, I see you, I am here for you. And I love that you're running a business and being multi-passionate. I think the downfall of multi-passionate entrepreneurs is sometimes feeling like we're wearing way too many hats and trying to figure out like which hat has priorities. So again, that that system of figuring out some sort of a rhythm, whether that is quarterly planning for you, but figuring out a rhythm that will allow you to feel like You can wear all of the hats that you're wearing so that you're not getting burnt out by trying to juggle too many things or you're not feeling like one is falling behind because you're putting such heavy emphasis on the other. So just really trying to find a rhythm in whether that's your whole year. Like maybe again, you're looking at your year and you're saying, okay, I know when wedding season is. So these, none of my digital products, I'm going to really be able to push a lot or work a lot on because I'm in wedding mode. But then you have the other half of the year to be able to do some of those other things. So just trying to find a rhythm that like fits you and your business the best when you're multi-passionate, I think, I think it's probably like some advice that I wish somebody had told me like earlier on versus feeling, I found myself feeling almost frustrated with in in certain seasons of my business when I was multi-passionate because it felt like there were a lot of balls in the air. There was a lot going on and I was trying to figure out how to juggle and balance it all. Yeah, I love that. And I like the idea of, yes, you can be multi-passionate. Like own that if that's you and that's how you thrive, that's amazing. It's just a matter of figuring out how can you do that in the best way possible with like your mental energy and make sure that you feel really good about the amount of energy and time that you're putting into 
the different types that are different offers that you have and it feels good to you. And I think it does take a little bit of trial and error too of trying to figure mm-hmm. out what that like balance looks like. And maybe for somebody who's listening, they're like, I feel really good about like a 60 day increment and maybe not like 90 days. And mm-hmm. if that works for you, that's amazing. Go for it. But I love the idea of working to try and figure out a rhythm that feels really good and like like unique to who you are as a business owner so that you're able to absolutely thrive, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Because again, like you're the boss, so you can create that rhythm and decide which one is going to make the most sense for you. I also think when it comes to being multi-passionate, it's figuring out, again, on the business side of things, like where is your revenue coming from? And I know when I was like first branching into like various offers in my business, not everything was like automatically profitable overnight, right? That's a myth. That's not true. <laughs> like it just, you know, money does not grow on trees. Like things take time. So like, for example, I used to be a wedding planner when I was transitioning out of wedding planning. I wasn't as multi, I wasn't as passionate about wedding planning anymore. That was one of the reasons why I was like, I don't want to do as many weddings. I want to start doing some other things. But I still had to do weddings because weddings were the revenue driver for the business. So what I found was I was able to set up some systems and some things that were more automated on that part of the business that made that business feel easier and it didn't take quite as much time. So then my time could be better spent on the things that I was more passionate about, even if the things I was more passionate about weren't making as much money in that moment. I still had the money makers. They were just a little bit more systemized and automated for me. Spend some time on the new things that are now the things that are making me money, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And that's a really good way or strategy almost of if you're somebody who's looking to pivot out of a service of here's mm-hmm. a really good way of looking at your time and how to make that possible and how to make that a profitable decision for you in the long run too. So yeah, I really love that. I'm going to ask you a kind of a fun question. This is a question that I've asked a couple of people on the podcast, and it's so interesting to hear what people say. Do you have one like one belief that you wish everyone in the creative industry held or one piece of advice that you would give to everyone in the creative industry? It doesn't have to be related to quarterly planning or pivoting or anything like that. I'm just curious. It's not necessarily like a belief, I guess, It's but it's just like If I could make it wave a magic wand and like anything could happen in our industry. I wish that we didn't have imposter syndrome. I think imposter syndrome is like such a beast and it doesn't matter where you are in your business. It doesn't matter if you're in year one or if you're, you know, like me and I'm like going into year nine in business, like imposter syndrome can sneak up and bite you. It just can be like really difficult to, to juggle when you're feeling those feelings of, am I good enough? Should I be doing this? Why should like, why should I be sitting in this seat? at the table. And I wish that our industry, I just wish we didn't have to deal with it. I wish we all believed we were good enough all the time and we never had like those feelings of self-doubt. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you shared that because it took me a couple of years to realize that was not something that was just happening to me because I was in like the beginning stages of my business. But that's something that comes up for people time and time again, no matter how long they've been 
in the game for. And even just like knowing that was helpful for me combating it at the time of when you're going through it, it feels like a very isolating thing. And you're the only person that feels like that. But when you have mm-hmm. conversations with creatives that are a little bit further along, it's it they're going through it too. And you're not alone in it. And they have been able to overcome that. Like that's mm-hmm. inspiration for somebody who's feeling that right now. And maybe is just getting started to don't let that hold you back. Because I know personally that I feel like that has definitely led to like me taking a little bit longer to do something that I was really passionate about. And that ended up working really well. But I was like, scared to like dive in because those questions and those fears started popping up. So I love that, like for people to be able to recognize, like, everyone has these voices that pop up in their head and like the questions of is this going to work out? Am I good enough? And I would just really encourage people to keep taking keep taking those steps to like work through that because you will get to the other side. Absolutely. And not to sound like a Debbie Downer, <laughs> um, but I feel like there are seasons of imposter syndrome for everyone. Again, I've been in business almost nine years now, and there have been seasons over the nine years. So I'll have it really bad for a week, a month, however long it like is really lasting in my business. And then I'll be like, oh yeah, okay, I'm good. I don't feel that way anymore. And then I'll be fine for a little bit and then it'll sneak back up again. And so it is something that comes and goes throughout our business career. And again, I don't say that to be like the Debbie downer, but just to be the realist of it's not something that you overcome once and you're just done with. It is something that literally every single business owner, regardless of where they are in business, of who they serve, of what they offer, we all struggle with it. And it's just a mindset shift that we have to learn personally to like overcome. What is something that you tell yourself as you're going through those seasons to make it to the other side and like quiet that like voice in your head? Yeah, that's a great question. For me, it's more of what do I need to do in that season versus what I need to tell myself. For example, Instagram is just, wait, we love to hate Instagram, right? It's (laughs) it's so much fun to hang out with our friends, but also what else is new? Like we're like inundated with all these things. Typically when I'm in a really strong seat, if I'm really feeling those imposter syndrome feelings, I need a complete break from social media. I need to stop looking at what other people are doing. I need to stop comparing. I need to stop saying, oh, look at she doing that. I should have done that first. Or like, oh man, like that looks great. I wonder if that should be something I should do. Like I need to just stop and slow my roll and focus on what I am doing. And so for me, by removing myself from social media, it allows me to just focus in on here's my family time. Here's my business. Here's my clients. Like here's my stuff mm-hmm. and my goals, my quarterly plans, like not somebody else's. And that is really helpful for me. Something I started doing, it's been over a year now, like a year and a half now, I take social media free weekends. And so this was a way for me to try to like combat that on a regular basis and just like a a good, I feel like a good practice for me because we just habitually like reach for our phones and start scrolling and like we don't need to. So I take off, like I end the work day on Friday and then I don't get back on until Monday morning. And even just having that weekend off is typically like really good for my heart and for my soul for a variety of reasons. But again, in a situation where imposter syndrome is like really sneaking in, I might try to take longer time off just to give myself however much mental clarity I need. Yeah, I love that. It's like one, quieting the noise and then two, almost like recentering yourself of what do I want to focus on? What do I want to put my like mental energy towards? And I do think like, one, it's very easy to like, or it's easier to move through it when you do start to take action. Cause sometimes I feel like the voices 
quiet once you like take that first step and like taking that first yeah. step usually like leads to something else that you can like work on and work towards and helps you move through that season. So I really love that. I wanted to ask kind of like, it doesn't have to be along these lines, but has there been a piece of advice that you find yourself coming back to time and time again in your business? Because I know you've been in business for a long time and it's changed over the like last nine years now. So yeah, I've been like one piece of like truth that you keep coming back to. Oh, this is another good question. I don't know if it's one specific. I guess what I'm trying to say is I can't think of one person who said this to me. I think it's just been more of a like mindset shift over again, like over the past few years of like constantly having to remind myself of this, but that it's the my business is mine, not anybody else's. And I know that might sound like really silly, but I feel like we just can sometimes get so caught up in what we feel like we have to do or what we're supposed to do in our business. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so easy, especially right now. Gosh, we can consume so much information so quickly. There's so many courses and masterminds and coaching opportunities and even just like free content and like Instagram reels. Like there's just so much out there. And sometimes it can feel really overwhelming with what we're supposed to do and when we're supposed to do it. And so what I just like to always come back to, especially when I'm thinking about like where my business is going is this is my business. Like this is my business. It's not anybody else's. What feels good for me, what feels right for my family, what feels good like right now and not having to be like said, this is the best strategy. But I'm saying this is the, and then you're like, like all of a sudden really confused and overwhelmed with which direction to go. But again, with just that reset and centering myself on, no, but this is mine and I am the boss. <laughs> so what do I want to do? Believer. So I pray about my business and just being like where I feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me and not necessarily like what somebody else is telling me to do. Yeah. I love that. I feel like that's just a reminder that is so helpful for anyone out there listening. And I feel like I personally needed to hear that too, because I can very easily get caught up in, oh, this is the best strategy for like X, Y, Z. And then even if it's something that's not like natural to me or doesn't feel like the best fit, I have found myself like in the past being like, okay, I'll do that. And then expecting that to work versus if I started at square one and been like, okay, like what feels like is going to be the best thing for me personally to do just based off of my own like unique like strengths and like quirks and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. I think that always leads to a, a beautiful business and a business that really feels like you and something that you can live in day in and day out and feel really good. And so I love that. Yeah. I, I want to thank you for sharing that. I feel like that's going to touch a lot of people that are like listening in. And the last question that I have for you to wrap things up is what is one thing that's happening behind the scenes of your business that you're really excited that you're working on lately? So I'm having a baby in May. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right now, behind the scenes is very like, oh, maternity leave. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what do we do? But I'm excited about that too. It's just, there'll be a baby. Yeah, that's definitely like a big thing that my focus, like where my focus is right now or for the next couple of months is just with our client work, trying to make sure like our clients are really supported and taken care of leading up to my leave. And then when I'm out, but then also with the shop products, we um, have some new products coming out, like more in that like planning and organizing and just hopefully ways to make your workday like better and more productive and more fun. Yeah. Just trying to trying to get things wrapped up before another human joins our family. <laughs> That's so excited. And um, congratulations. I Thank you. Can't wait for you to be able to kind of like just take that time to spend with the new baby. I think that's going to be amazing. But thank you. Me too. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I wanted to have you share where people can follow along with you if they want online. 
Yes, I would love to connect with you guys. Please find me on Instagram. I know we like joked about like the love-hate relationship. (laughs) DMs are truly my favorite thing about Instagram. So please send me a DM if you listen to this and something resonated or you want to keep the conversation going. I love DMs. And it's just my name, Catch Moyer. And then my website's linked there, but it's catchmoyer.com is where you can find me on the web. Awesome. I'll have those both linked in the show notes too. But I want to thank you again for coming on to the podcast and to everyone for listening in. Thank you, Manali. If you're loving this episode, I would love for you to swipe a page or two out of my free resources library. I have a free class all on the systems you need to quickly grow your photography business. I cover three key systems that you need in place to be able to grow your business and triple your wedding bookings and go full time in less than one year. I also have another freebie just for you. I am letting you swipe my booked wedding client questionnaire. Whenever I have a wedding client book, I always do a little happy dance and then personalize their client experience with this questionnaire. It gets me all of the details that I need right up front, right when they book, and it sets me up to figure out what sets me apart from other people in the market, figure out more details about them and personalize their wedding experience, and help start planning out their engagement session and more. Be sure to go to Manali Photography dot com or see the show notes to grab either one of these two freebies and I can't wait to see how it helps you grow your business.